Well, hello and welcome to Frank Fryer Fridays. This is Father Patrick Bykowskis welcoming you and hoping that you didn't miss me too much on our uh, on my trip away to Costa Rica. Um, sorry, I'm doing a co too many things here and I don't have that uh, knack. I uh, had two screens open. So, <laughs> and, and trying to get the music on and I'm going to try to do some other sounds today if possible. Let's start with a prayer. Maybe that's going to help me get organized a little bit better. Holy God, make yourself known to me in the flames of a fire that gives me warmth and the smile of a baby that brings me joy. In the touch of a friend that reminds me that I am not alone, captivate me in the mundane so I may return to you, the love you so lavishly pour on me. Amen. And so I just got back yesterday from Costa Rica. I was there with my good friend Marilee for nine days. Uh, I am really, really blessed with friends in my life who make these kinds of things possible for me to do. Uh, the trip to Kenya and now this trip to Costa Rica. Uh, I wanted to offer a reflection about my experience there. Of course, it's much easier to show pictures, but that's not the medium we're using. I'm using the oral medium that forces me and us to sometimes go back on the tried and true of oral communication instead of thinking that everything has to be held in our hand. I could say this about Costa Rica, the, the visual part of it is it's lush, it's mostly rainforest, it's on the Gulf of Mexico and on the Pacific Ocean, and in between there are mountains and volcanoes, active ones. There are hot springs. And the rainforests in particular are something that we got to see a great deal of. In all three of the places that we stayed, we went hiking or kayaking amongst the rainforest. I've been in rainforest. I had been to Rio de Janeiro, oh golly, I don't know, maybe 20, 25 years ago. And just outside of Rio de Janeiro is a rainforest. And I had a driver take me out. It was a very different experience. There was no hiking. It was all observing the, the rainforest from the comfort of a car. And yet, you, it's still a, a lot of the same thing. You see just an extraordinary variety of plants, plants that we all, I think, know, but we see them in our houses in pots. And there's rainforests, these rainforests, you see profusions of all of the things that we see in our house in no order, just on top of each other. And of course, there's something that you sense as well in, in breathing the air because there's so all, all this, all these plants, all the flora is pumping out oxygen into our environment that, that is good for all of us no matter where we are in the world these rainforests are essential to preserving and to nurturing and golly the, the the costa ricans take such pride in that aspect of their country that they can 
show it off. And I don't blame them. And one of our guides was telling me that Frank, it was uh, in our last uh, resort where we stayed, that Costa Rica in the last 10 years has done a really remarkable job of restoring some of the land to the to rainforest. And it's something that I think they individually take pride in, that this is, this is something not just for the naturalists or not just for people in the hospitality industry. It's people that are workaday servers and, and care, caretakers on the properties that want to make sure that, that Costa Rica is protected. So you see maybe you know, a thousand different shades of green and you see the, the, the fl now flowers are things that, again, there, there would be things that we would see tended like orchids growing on trees, <laughs> wild uh, birds of paradise that you see in florist shops, but profusions of them everywhere you look. The, the, the first place we stayed is uh, called Tortuguero, which means lots of turtles. And we stayed at a, a resort that was very, very close to the Gulf of Mexico. We, were, we had a little sort of inland waterway that separated us from this little uh, sort of a peninsula where the airplane landed. And we were immediately picked up by a boat and brought over to our, to our um, accommodations. And we had this great guide, William, uh, provided by our, our agency, Abercrombie and Kent. And we went for a walk right away on, on just the property of the, of, of the hotel. And then later we went on other walks and hikes. We went on a kayak trip with, with, um, with William. And I guess it was our first night there. We went to see a, a really extraordinary experience of the sea turtles, this, these happen to be green sea turtles, which come onto shore this time of the year in mostly in mostly in Costa Rica, but also a little bit in Nicaragua and Panama, the bordering countries, and they lay their eggs, and then they return, they bury them, and they return to the sea, and they let the the warmth of the sun incubate the eggs, and two or three months later, these little tiny turtles come out and make their way to the to the back into the sea all alone. Well, we were there for the laying of the egg part, and these huge turtles, I, I would guess they must weigh a couple hundred pounds. They're about, I would say, um, four feet or two meters um, across, uh, head to tail. And they dig this hole, and then they lay their eggs, and we would have a small group. They're very, they very uh, strictly regulate all this. As far as the number of people that can come out, you have to wear black. You can't take pictures. Uh, they have a, a red light. I wasn't sure we'd be able to see much, but with this red light, you could see a lot. But it doesn't disturb the tortoises because if you do disturb them, they'll just turn around and go right back into the ocean. They'll keep their eggs inside them and then return another night. So they have to have pretty calm environment, uh, have a pretty calm environment in order to lay the eggs. And so we were able to watch that, and then we would walk away, and our guide would give us a little bit informa more information. We'd come back and we'd go back and forth several times, and then at the, towards the end is when then the, the tortoise is covering up her eggs, and then we let her alone as she returns to the sea. So it is, you know, it's one of those things like, 
you'll you'll never see again. It's a really truly a once in a lifetime experience. They they didn't say anything about people coming back in October to see the eggs um, then hatching. It, the extraordinary thing is is that of of the the a thousand eggs that the tortoise might lay in a year, only one of them makes it. A th one in a thousand odds, and yet. Of course, these tortoises live to be very old, like a hundred years old, and so they are able to, you know, propagate well within the numbers that they need to to keep the species going. Except we mess it up with climate change and global warming, and the beach is is shrinking, and they need the beach to uh, be able to lay their eggs, and so that's that's a concern, and it's. I hope it's a concern for all of us. You see it mimicked in other ways too. They talk about how the the, the rain, even though we were, I, we felt it was a, uh, there was a lot of rain while we were there. Not anything that kept us from. I should say I shouldn't say a lot of rain. There was maybe one day when it rained a lot, but then they didn't even think it rained a lot. Um, the the one day we really felt it was pouring, but. Um, we, we did get to see, of course, other animals as well. We saw sloths and uh, monkeys. There's four different kinds of monkeys. We saw three of them, three different kinds. The spider monkeys in particular are very profuse there. And one of our guides uh, told us that we would see a lot more in the third, our, our third visit. So we were in Tortuguero and then we went to Arnal which is in the very middle of the country, and it's where there's a hurricane. We stayed at this spectacular resort. Uh, Mary Lee wasn't feeling well one day, and I went on my own on a walk with William, our guide, through the, this, the, the mystical forest, and it was uh, all on uh, uh, sky, skywalks, really. I mean, they were very high up, maybe 40, 50 feet up, and parts of it was swinging bridges. So it was a, it was a two hour walk through the treetops of this rainforest. And of course, then you see, literally see a bird's eye view. It's, you know, our guide, William, is absolutely amazing in how he is able to um, you know, spot these birds and these monkeys and these bugs and the little tiny frogs uh, vipers, um, you've got to watch out. There's a lot of poison, poisonous things out there. There's these tiny little dart, uh, po poison dart frogs. They're, oh gosh, they're the size of your thumbnail, but they're poisonous. If you touch them and agitate them, if you just touch them, they're not, they're not going to do anything. But if you like would grab them and shake them up in your hand and then, um, they would excrete enough to probably give you a heart attack. Vipers, of course, are vipers. They're bad. <laughs> They're snakes. I only saw one, and he was sleeping, so he didn't bother me. You know, one of the things that we got to do also before I, I, I move on to now is, is in Tortuguero, in the little town that they have there, is a man who produces uh, chocolate, cacao in Spanish. And it's really extraordinary, the, the things that have to come together in God's miracle, in God's world, to, to create a cacao, the chocolate, uh, it, it comes from this big pod, uh, maybe about the size of, uh, what would it be about the size of, maybe your, your two of your fists, 
and then the, the cacao beans are in the inside but they grow out from the trunk of the tree but these little tiny buds appear on the trunk little tiny flowers and they have to be pollinated by a particular gnat within three days of their blooming or the leaf will, the flower will fall off and then there won't be any any uh, cacao nut and these gnats come from the birds of paradise plants there's these like sort of spoon-like leaves that they have in the water accumulates there and the gnats breed and then they come over and they pollinate the the, the flower and the flower becomes the cacao bean and how they, whoever thought of starting to eat those things hundreds of years ago the indians started producing them and they they started by drinking the chocolate they would make it mix it with water and then when the Spaniards came along, they saw the potential, and that's when they started producing it in a different way. And I was there. He showed me. Our, our, his name was Rafael. Rafael um, runs this place with his family, and we we roasted the, the, the cacao beans, and then we cracked them open, Marilee and I, and we made enough for us to um, then grind them. Uh, it's like a, a, a roller, it's this, this big lava stone, sort of the size of a, of a, of a, a wooden um, um, board. <laughs> I'm losing my memory of the most simple words. Uh, the cutting board, like the size of, you know, about uh, maybe 18 inches by 36 inch cutting board but it's curved and it's made out of lava rock and you you roll it out with a pin made out of lava rock and you you keep crushing that and the oils come out and it you, you it becomes the chocolate paste pure paste and then we mixed it in with some flavoring that the the the, the um the the spaniards were able to um refine the taste so they mixed it with the, the beautiful sugar that they have there cinnamon other cardamom other things and then they produced it in ways that have made it as popular as it is now uh, we also when we were there uh i found uh we we had one dinner out on our own on, on a saturday night and this was in uh, la fortuna and william our guide knew of a place an Italian, uh, it's called Avagabondo, and the owner, Luca, is from Italy. What a wonderful man he, he is, and gave us a, a really memorable evening. I uh, had some of the best pasta I've ever had in my life with, with frutta de mare, fruit, and there's, of course, lots of seafood in Costa Rica. The food is extraordinary. The food was, was absolutely fantastic everywhere we went, and we had of course good chefs and good cooks and so on but the the, the fresh fruits the 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 uh, especially were more memorable for me beautiful desserts ice cream a couple times you know i've got to have my gelato and out, and out there um, but i i wanted to talk a bit too and maybe mostly about the experience of being there the first day merrily asked me if i would someplace i would move and of course i couldn't i wouldn't be able to say at that on the first day whether i would ever think of moving any place but you know i i, I experienced in the the, the 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 costa rican people something i saw in the people in new zealand now that may sound odd but i but this is my theory and it may not be worth a fill of beans i'm not a sociologist 
or an anthropologist, but I think that there's something very similar between the two places. They're beautiful places. People are very close to nature. And that beauty and that sense of peace and the quietude are all things that work on us, on our spirit, in a good ways. And so in both places, whether it is in New Zealand or in Costa Rica, I found the people there, and of course this is all pure anecdotal, I keep giving all these caveats, but to, I, it really, I think, is, has some merit to suggest that being in those kinds of environments, restful, peaceful, quiet, just the sounds of nature, the sounds of the birds and the monkeys and the bees and the bugs and all those other things that come with it, bring us a sense of peace and a sense of appreciation in God's creation all about us. And that's got to, if we're open to it, affect us. William and our one of our drivers, Rohair, would eat with us. And one of the things that I did every day, of course, was, you know, beside being in my own prayer, was to pray before our meals. And I would start and Mary Lee would join us. And then William and Rohair, if he was there, would all pray. You know, and I think this is another thing I sensed that our being a witness to our faith is a very important thing for us to do. I think William and Rohair maybe have never experienced that with other, I guess how you would call us clients, you know, people that they were, they were called to serve, and how much it meant to them. And you could hear it in the prayers that they offered, what was going on in their lives, the things which we always do or hear when people are offering prayers and petitions at Mass. You, you get a sense of what's going on with them and their own sense of gratitude for the gifts they have in their life. These are not wealthy people, neither you know, none of the people that we met that we were called to serve, but there's a real joy in what they do. They, 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 if you were to ask them, and not only ask them, you would you'd hear it in the examples, the times when they had maybe had to go to San Jose, the big city of Costa Rica, couldn't wait to get back home. The people that I talked to who said they would never want to leave. Why would I want to leave this beautiful place? I think it, 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 it infects them in a way that we have to admire. Uh, we don't have it all. We don't have all the answers in the, in the United States. Uh, we have many, many blessings. But there are other countries which are maybe more beautiful in, in certain respects. But we have to we have to remind ourselves that these people are giving examples of us of living out our faith in a very particular way, being close to God and recognizing all that God has given for, uh, to each of us. Mm -hmm.